Welcome to Disaster Peace Theater. My name is Stephanie Vela Anderson. It has taken me a long time to get to this point. I actually drafted out the agenda for this podcast last year. I created graphics, a little logo, yada, 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 all while being in a creative block for like three years. Most of the things that I have created have been on a whim. So if it wasn't me just like going into something and then stopping midway and being like, whatever, bye. There were also times where I just had too many personal things going on that were inhibiting me from going forward with the, the things that I like to do, which is create content. I think it's been about two years. It feels like it's been three, but I think it's about two. I was hashing out a script for a pilot. When I was in the process of writing the script, I would read it out loud to my coworkers. They used to call it story time and they would ask for me to do it again. I put the script on hold because the things that I was writing about were still happening in real life and they hit me in the face when the abortion ban came to my small town that I'm from in West Texas. It's a small city, but when I say small town, you know what I'm talking about. I remember going to the Renaissance Festival the day after I found out about this stupid abortion ban, which has now been passed, which is the one that Texas is dealing with at the moment. I'm not sure where it is right now, to be honest. I did show up at the Capitol for the voting. That's a whole other podcast in itself. But yeah, back to the Renaissance Festival. I'm walking around with my daughters and, and the guy that was my boyfriend at the time, and I see this Buddhist monk and I'm watching him watching everything around him and I'm talking to him telepathically I'm thinking about the reasons why I was able to to see him I more or less like asked him for confirmation if I should attempt to advocate against this abortion ban and as I was asking him that he was walking another direction that seemed like it was a little bit uphill and he turns around and the sun is illuminated around him and he looks at me right after I asked that and that was like okay so I need to go through with this and what I found out in my journey in the advocacy world and as I got more involved and I started meeting people who have made this their profession is that it wasn't my fight to fight that the right people are in the right place to fight these things. Didn't like going to the women's marches because I did see how the black and brown uh, women and identifying women were like tokenized basically. At the same time, I was unlearning myself. I was still in the stages of stripping away internal bias that anybody who is white Somebody who, like me, who is white passing and has grown up Americanized, colonized. We also inherit those internal biases because it was easy for us to hang out in those spaces. 
So now I'm going back to the script. And I, I might read pieces of it here. I've been out of film for a very long time. Film is what I love to do. Editing is something that I love doing. At the same time, I needed to create a space where I could feel comfortable enough to express myself without thinking about the things or the experiences or what have you that have limited me. Regardless, here I am. I'm giving it another shot. I'm going to try to follow through with this podcast. I get a ton of encouragement to do this, and it hasn't been that I haven't wanted to do it. I guess it's just the mindset that... If you're a creative person, if you're an expressive person at that, making sure I have a comfortable space and setup to be able to do what I want to do can be a little bit more challenging, especially if there's setbacks. And I know a lot of people, and there are so many people who have been set back. And so here we are in this great shift. And the shift depends on people looking back turning around and acknowledging the truth. I guess it's a pretty good opening for a podcast. Before I start going into the rest of my first podcast, I want to thank Karen and Natalie, Joy, Leanne, Morgan, Kylie, Georgia, Izzy, Alicia, Kendra, Carly, Ramsey, Armani, Evan, Reese, Skye, Tiana, Megan FB, Sierra, Rachel, and Rachel Jr., my daughter, Hannah, my son, Christopher, and also my sister, who goes by Violet. That was our grandmother's name. So I'll talk about the title. It's definitely a play off Masterpiece Theater. I never watched Masterpiece Theater. I really don't know anything about it. To be honest, I'm not interested. Now, I do remember Monsterpiece Theater. Disaster will also represent some of the things that we need to talk about, but that we don't want to talk about. It's a disaster that we don't talk about it. The piece part of this podcast is there will always be ambient sounds, music, something going on in the background, along with my voice. I've been told time and time again that my voice is soothing, relaxing, it's helped people fall asleep. So if you do fall asleep during this podcast, it's quite all right. It just makes it easier for me to implant secret messages into your head. Thank you for trusting me. In my bio, I mentioned that I am a psychic medium. I want to tell you what I think about all that and how it applies to my life. I will definitely talk about how it works for me. I, I might do a reading here and there on somebody. I might talk about the times I've had psychic moments. I also believe that everybody is a psychic medium and I think it works differently for everybody. I think there's some similar things, like for instance, there are some mediums that can see and hear ghosts and that's not me. Maybe I have seen them in real life and have never known it. Maybe they talked to me and I didn't know they were talking to me. The way I work is my head is more or less, I feel like a radio. There's a part of your brain that lights up when you meditate or pray. 
There's some wonderful CAT scans out there. I'm sorry I don't have any references at the moment. I'm going to do a little bit better about that next time. I theorize that that part of our brain is like the radio receiver that can gather random information around you in the form of energy. I'm still working on understanding my own abilities, by the way. So here I am with this radio inside my head, and I will get visuals that I can see within my mind's eye. I will also hear an internal dialogue, and sometimes the, it will be another voice other than mine. And I have to say, it it's it's pretty light. I think the more readings I do, the more I'll, I'll probably improve on, on this, but it's more or less like plain charades. If you can imagine sitting down and the wind's blowing pretty hard, that you can feel it up against your skin and it feels solid, but you can't see it. That is what it feels like to me. I think that's the best way I can describe it. While I'm doing it, it feels like I'm pulling stuff out of thin air. And so when there is an accuracy, I'm always surprised. Like, even to this day, if I'm accurate in a reading about someone's past or present, I'll still become surprised. An example I can give is one of the last readings I gave to someone face-to-face. -face. A grandmother figure came up and she was talking about balloons, and she had mentioned they were white and silver. Well, the person that I was reading mentioned that she released gold balloons on her birthday. I was definitely off the metal, for sure. <laughs> Again, and by the way, if I haven't mentioned, I'm not, I'm not always accurate. I don't want to always be accurate, especially when it, it comes to predictions, because I want that person that I am reading to know that they are in control of their life. I am glad that this is becoming normalized. I am glad to see ghost hunters out there doing the work that they're doing. And I'm also, I also like seeing the evolution of, of gadgets to, to pick up on spirits. When I was in my early 20s, maybe mid-20s, I was still living in my old hometown, and I went to go eat lunch with my dad on his break. We went to this burrito shop. It was west of town, and it's not opened anymore. Pretty sad about that. His coworker was there, and he had his kids with him. And they were two elementary-aged kids, I want to say, or probably a, a little younger. I, I don't quite remember. I, I have a hard time with this memory. And you'll know why in a minute. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm meeting my dad's coworker. They're talking. And I'm looking at the children. And the message I got was, there is no future with them. They will not have a future. And inside, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck? Am I a sick fuck? And I was also in a Christian phase at the time. I was trying to make Christianity work for me because I was a mother, and that's what we were told to do, right? If you grew up in Texas, in certain areas, w women weren't encouraged to be anything. They weren't encouraged to, li to live their own lives and be their own person. So I'm just standing there just disturbed. I don't know if I've talked about it with anybody, really. I don't think I have. This might be the first time. Well, about a month later or so, 
there was a huge thunderstorm. A thunderstorm in West Texas is one of the most amazing things to witness, but the flooding is deadly. And the reason being is because, well, the ground is very dry. It's a semi-arid desert. And the soil is, is sandy in some parts. There's some good soil in some pockets, but a lot of it is just like a, a mix. And so when rain comes, it doesn't absorb. In fact, a lot of it ends up going to the little ponds and, and lakes that we have in the area. There's two parts to West Texas now. There's the northern northern part of West Texas that's, that's pretty flat. And then the southern region uh, has mountains. Now, the town where I grew up, it's like the hills end in the middle of town. And then when you head on to the other side, it becomes very flat. So it's really on the edge of all that. So there's still some roads out there that are got a little bit of an incline to them. There, there's plenty of dips, in other words. And of course, some of those dips have been created by erosion when it, it rains. The water's got to go somewhere, right? So those two kids I mentioned that I was told by my radio brain that they have no future were riding with their mom down one of these roads and there was a stream of water and she came across one of these streams and she drove into it. The car got swept away and she was able to get out and the kids weren't. There's a lot of stories about how it took place. All I know is that it's not the mother's fault. Of course, everybody wants to judge and blame the mother and they did at the time, but it wasn't the mother's fault as far as I can tell from what I can pick up on. And when you're living in a place that's half flat, half hilly, and these are roads that you are comfortable taking, and if you feel like you can take them on, you will. Because I've actually driven in a hailstorm before. Not probably the best thing, right? But I, I've done it so many times because that was just the environment that I lived in. I'm thinking maybe she thought she had that road. Again, it's real easy to think that you have these roads. Again, you just have to live in the environment to understand. After I heard the news, I didn't know who the children were until my mom or my dad mentioned something about it. And then I saw the pictures and I was just like, oh, okay, why didn't I do something about it? But the thing is I didn't have details at the time. All I got was the lines. All I got was these kids have no future which sounds so vague and so depressing, which by the way, I don't see death as totally depressing, but just children, that bothered me for a very, very long time. I was angry. I was angry at God. I, in my head, I was like, why give this to me, but not give me the adequate resources or enough information or just the intervention of explaining to people what I am seeing and hearing to do something about it. And then of course I internalized it and thought it was my fault. She said something, why didn't I say anything? I could have saved those kids' lives if I would have just said something. But of course, again, I didn't have all the information. It's very frustrating to, to think about. One of my most memorable ghost readings was for this woman who had lost her brother. Now, I don't get into the whole name-guessing thing. I, I cut that shit out right away. I will ask for a first name, 
You don't have to give me the last name. You don't have to give me the birthday. Let's go ahead and get that first name out of the way because we're wasting time and we're wasting energy. Let's not do that. Of course, I don't remember what his name was because I'm bad with names. I'm good with faces, though. And I'm seeing him. And we'll just call him James. So I'm, I'm seeing James. He's in front of a school. And he's walking behind the, the fence. It's a, it's a chain-linked fence. And he's just pacing back and forth and back and forth. And he keeps repeating the same thing over and over. He's like, tell her to get my kid out of that school. I can't do anything about it right now. I'm dead. Obviously, I can't do anything about it right now. But she needs to get my kid out of that school. So, of course, she does the freak out, the, oh, you know, I get that. And she tells me that they're working on this right now, but the mother of the child is making it difficult. That was actually pretty sad, too. These are some sad psychic stories, I'm telling you. Story time. I can pick up when certain people who have crossed my path are thinking about me. I can feel the annoying and hurtful things more than the good ones. This is not how I designed my brain. It was shaped by trauma, so naturally it's going to gravitate towards the negative. For myself, I now understand why I dissociated for so long. It was a survival mechanism, but understanding this has given me a frame to rebuild with. For example, imagine that the brain is a building made of a metal frame, and that frame is you, and the bricks and mortar and drywall are pieces of the environment, situations, people, institutions that you interacted with that surrounded you. And there's a lot of people who are given shitty building material. I was one of those people, only my bricks were white. Of course, because you don't have good materials, the house is going to fall apart. And the houses fall apart differently. Some people have some decent pieces that they can update or build with, and some people have nothing, and they have to make their own. Life should not be that hard, but that's the way they designed it to be. I'm one of those people that lost all of their building materials and I'm still working on rebuilding the house. During my process of rebuilding, I've had to distance myself or stop talking to some people. And these are some people that I care about in some form. It wasn't an easy decision, but right now I can't have too many distractions. It takes too much energy away from me because I still have people that I need to care for, and that includes myself. I have to match the pieces to the frame. That is me. Blocking someone on social media is easy. Blocking someone in real life can be a challenge, especially if they're not going away, but in that case, that is stalking, so I would definitely do something about that. Get some people involved and resources involved that can help you with that. Blocking someone energy-wise for someone like me is a 
lot of work. And each situation is different. The variance of the relationship or unexplored possibilities I think about are reflected back differently. In other words, they may have a concept about who you are. They may only want to see you in a certain position inside their mind and in their heart. They prevent themselves from seeing the real you and then they blame it on you. And when you feel that in energy and you don't see it in words or in conversation, it can be a little bit more treacherous to deal with. I've also found when I have blocked someone that didn't want to be blocked, I could feel, feel their anger, which reaffirmed the reasons why they needed to be blocked. Because they had their own mess to deal with, and I can't keep carrying their plate. I've been able to throw myself into other things at the moment that has distracted me, and I have basically have given my energy to different places so that when they try to come around, there's nothing there for them to take from. But every once in a while, they still come through. And I have to go through my brain, <laughs> my telepathic brain, and I have to figure out, is this energy coming from them? Or is my brain recycling something that I haven't worked out within myself? That's the process I go through instead of becoming frustrated because this used to frustrate me so much. I definitely felt like I was being manipulated in the worst possible way. I know that's not the case now. When someone would do this to me, I would react with the most crazy behavior. This often kept them very confused and, and guessing, which gave them ammunition to use against me so they could continue to hide from themselves their own feelings and hide it from everyone else who probably saw it this piece that i've written is about the emotions and visions i had when i knew this certain someone was thinking about me have you ever felt the glare of pity on your back it was there for the whole world to see. The patronizing assessments illustrating your hands to be dirty so that they had an excuse out of thin air to keep you away from the table. They choose to see you in it. They can't imagine you being anything but lost and predatory like them. Eating from the top shelf of blood-induced self validation. I want neither part of it above or below. But since we're on the subject of sides, I have hope I've made myself clear. You run away as much as you can, doing everything to avoid choice so that you can keep yours. You pretend to walk on water like Jesus to buy some time. Then you start to think you're someone like him, but not as self-righteous. I can't tell which is your best act life or the spear glass spilling toxic poetry the patterns are the same i know and the signals only seem to work for a particular region grab it and move it towards your apathetic hole 
The call sheet must be adjusted to accommodate the path. The lines who move the bodies weren't meant to align with your mouth. Wheels attached to a red open frame. Kate with a million yesterdays. I sit back and bask in my commands, digging in the dirt that is my flesh. They touch it from a distance, no different than you. We see how the figures make them happy, and well, I don't like being sticky, smelling of liquid grave contents. I do hate to break away from meeting you here, slipping on small ledges. You weren't afraid of some things. I lived in fear. They granted you the speakers. I was left to steal mine. Of course it's in your DNA. Not to care. Not to see. The pull between us is my own intoxication. And I've thought about turning it into a potion once or twice. But it's not any fun unless you release your own into the light so I can see it. They used to go out at night like we did, but it was the lack of surveillance cameras and wrongful prosecutions for them. Yes, that is my smell. Does it frighten you that the face you were looking for, the one that is not ashamed of turning it into what it will be, was the one you looked for but couldn't see. We can certainly point at the two, but you have to rub your fingers across your lips so they'll fit right. You're always looking for an opening in anyone or anything or any place. Horrid. You belong, and I wish that you didn't. But that's how you prefer it. The thought without action and the actions empty. How many times is how many times this must be dragged on. Stop strolling over to my meadow. The plants are hungry and tired and will consume you. They want to take your sense of reserved nourishment. She is getting into that deep, under and over and around those soul bright beats. I don't see what they see. There's a constant, complete shutdown. Complete control surrendered, so there's no stains on your body. It wasn't what you asked for, but you produced. There's a switch. You can turn it, press it. The instruction manual is tainted. The, oh, you left me with no choice, pickup line really moves the rocks into that canyon. There isn't a big enough pile to make a bridge. Where do you want to go for the last time? I shake my head and wave my eyes and smell myself to make sure the temperature is just right. You try to remove the container from my side table. I try to open a box on the side of your ribs and take your heart. Will you ever feel that? What it's like to find something that truly fits? I found you in the dark, sitting with the book. Was this your last rodeo?
It's too bad your arms couldn't point you in the right direction. The dexterity in your speech paints a fearful nature. Am I the only one who smells it? You want to believe I'm enthralled by you. Sure, if that's what you want. To be prey. My prey. 